you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 564 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, we are live on the Ron and Don Radio Network. And of course, we are in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, how come everyone's dying on Mount Evers this year? And is it just turned into a dump? Also, we got to talk about stealth. Well, yeah, stuff you're supposed to ditch if you're really rich. <laughs> this story is so dumb. I can't wait to talk about it. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Evidently, there's some new rules when it comes to tipping. This is kind of an update because Ron and I have been talking about tipping, and it seems like everywhere you go, uh, people are asking to be tipped. And it seems like sometimes... I feel like I've already tipped, and then I'm supposed to retip. So this happened to me the other day. Ordered some food from uh, through Uber Eats, and the food didn't show up. And so I ended up calling uh, Jack's Roadhouse, where the food was from, and they said, hey, uh, it's not our responsibility because an Uber guy came and picked it up. And I said, well, when it, when is it your responsibility? He said, well, it's our it's no longer our responsibility when it leaves the store. I said, well, what if I call the store direct? And he said, well, if you call the store direct, it's still not our responsibility because we don't have a delivery service and you have to come pick it up. I said, that's interesting. I, I said, where does my tip go, though? He goes, my tip went to the store. I said, but I thought my tip went to the driver. He goes, no, you have to, you, you have to tip your driver separately. So I said, well, who am I tipping at the store? He said, well, you're tipping the people that prepared your food. I said, but aren't you supposed to be preparing my food? Isn't that why you're at the store? And is there anything other than maybe you threw a napkin and threw it in a bag or something? Because we're not waiting tables. You're not refilling water. You're not doing all that. And I, and I said, I gave you a pretty significant tip, like a $13 tip. I said, could you maybe take the $13 tip and tip the kitchen and tip the driver? He's like, no, that's not how it works. We don't do that. So so at the end of the day, this 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 food order was like $113, uh, table for two, uh, G-Force O'Neill and his dad. And I have to say, the food was good, but it wasn't that good. And it was kind of unsatisfying when the food didn't make its way here. To have to call them, they're like, we had nothing to do with that, and you just paid $113. And guess what they did do? is they delivered it to a wrong door in my neighborhood where it looked like a pack of coyotes got after it. Uh, so whatever was left for us, we were very appreciative, but it looked like there was about $8.13.7 uh, left of uh, Jack's Barbecue. This, this new article came out. Actually... It helped me to do this just yesterday. In fact. Oh, it did? Okay. So they're saying basically the thrust of the article is to 
push back against all the tipping and to not be shamed into over tipping or tipping things that you don't feel deserve a tip. And so they're trying to, the article sort of trying to empower the consumer again to use a little common sense. The example for me was I got my car detailed and I bought a, uh, I saw a, a Groupon thing for this uh, car detail up on Aurora. So when I got there, there was some upselling that went on. They're like, oh, well, that doesn't include X, Y, and Z. And we'll, for an, an, an additional $150, we'll do this. And this you list. want this to be Simonized, Mr. Right. Upshaw? <laughs> so, and then they upsold me again oh. because I had the mother of all bird poops on my fender and I got a little too aggressive trying to scrape it off and I, I put some little micro scratches on it. So that was my fault. That's you. So I paid the $50 That's extra. operator error. That was me being aggressive for, yeah. I don't know, I don't understand what buffing and cutting means, but they had to buff and cut. So fine. Okay. The 50 bucks is my fault. But... So, uh, so I've already paid the Groupon, which they get. Your car, by the way, when you're when you're when you pulled up, it looks sharp, right? The car, and then the it car, rains immediately. The, the next car day. looks amazing today. Then I do the the upgrade fee. Then I did the buff and cut fee. Oh wow! And so now I get they saw you coming to pay, <laughs> and the 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 pre the preloaded tip amounts were eighteen percent, twenty percent. 22% or custom amount. That's amazing. And I was like, you've upsold me twice. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm fine with that. But I, I hit custom amount and I backed it down to 10%. I was like, you've already sold me. Like you already got the money. Um, I'm assuming that the guy doing the detail, you're charging me the money so that he can do the detail. You know what I mean? There's not an additional, like, what am I tipping? Like, uh, there's not an addition. Like, if, in other words, he didn't go above and beyond. So what did, that, what did the tip end up being? The tip ended up being, I think, uh, like 20 bucks or something like that. So do you tip on the amount that it should have been without the Groupon, or do you tip on the amount that it's the I just did the $10 group? on whatever I was charged right there. Because, again, this is a detail service. If he had done something extra, then I feel like I should give extra. They did exactly what I ordered and not a thing I, more. I'm surprised you gave 10%. That seems like what a lot. What do you think I should have given? A lot for you. You think I should have given less? What would you have given? So you're saying it was $200? It was all in. It was about, it was closer to $300. Close to $300. And it was the shampoo and the interior, exterior, you know, the grape well, and the wheels. You're, I caught you in a lie. Why? Because you told me you tipped. You, if it's three hundred dollars and you tip, I tipped 10%, on the thing that was charged there. I didn't said, tip on the you group. Said, on. You said you gave twenty when it sounds like you should have given thirty. That's the run up show I know. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad then. Give yourself permission to back it down. <laughs> we will see you on this. Don, I have a vivid memory as a kid. We were going to drive the family rig to Boston to visit my Uncle Richard. Got about in the middle of Oklahoma. Car broke down. We were stranded. We did not get a pre-trip safety check. New glasses? Yeah, they are new. They're readers. They look sharp. Thank you. You look like my dead grandfather. <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah. good. Anyway, hey, you guys. Les Schwab, they do something really cool right now. For everyone that's a Ron and Don listener, just stop in. They'll do a free pre-trip safety check. What are they going to do? Yeah, they check the air on your tires. Also, if you have all-wheel drive, you got to make sure you rotate those and make sure you have plenty of 
tread on your tire. They're going to check your brakes. They're going to put it up on a rack, do a full inspection. And you got to know this. You go see the other guys. Yeah, you got to pay hundreds of dollars for that, not at Les Schwab. And here's the thing I love, too. They're not going to sell you a bunch of stuff that you don't need. So everything's good. You're ready for your trip. They will just send you on your way. But if not, you can save lots of money right now on a set of four tires at Les Schwab. Yeah, if you need new tires, you can save up to $200 when you buy a set of select four tires. Plus, save an extra 50 bucks with Les Schwab Financing. Schedule your appointment right now at LesSchwab.com, or you can stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Why are you getting louder at the end? That's what I usually do. Les Schwab, like that. He's stealing what I stole. Hey, you guys, listen up. Everybody knows we do something called a Ron and Don sit down. Maybe you don't know. In fact, my friend Ed just reached out to me today and said, hey, I need a real estate agent. That was this week. Last week, it was Michelle. I said, Michelle, what do you want? She's like, I need to do a sit down. I need to sell my house in West Seattle. I said, when do we need to sell it? She's like, next week. I said, next week when I'm talking to Ed? She's like, yeah. I said, you know what? We can do it. In fact, we listed a house as quick as boom, six days. So that's what we did with Michelle. That's what we're doing with Ed. We do something called a Ron and Don sit down. You go to ronanddonsitdown.com right now to get signed up. And the really cool thing about the sit-down, you get to know us, we get to know you. A lot of you we already know, but Ron, the sit-down is really about developing a strategy for those that need to sell in kind of a crazy market right now. Every real estate deal is a little bit different, needs a little bit of a special touch. That's what we're going to do in this free 30 to 45-minute Zoom call. So uh, email me directly, ron at ronandon.com, or sign up digitally at ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Already uh, Mount Everest, 12 people have died this year uh, trying to climb Mount Everest. And there are some very famous climbers that, in fact, uh, Jim Whitaker was the first American climber to climb Mount Everest. And since that time, there's been lots of American climbers that have gone. And we even in this area, we have some guiding services that will take people up on Everest. They say one of the problems that they face on Everest right now is global, if you want to call it global warming or climate change. My son tells me it's climate change, Daddy. It's not global warming. So I say, okay, climate change. Uh, global warming is a part of climate change, he will say. So uh, he seems to be smarter about these things. He's actually in a science class. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with uh, G-Force O'Neill on that one. And, and, and the interesting thing is, so they're having more avalanches. And no matter what you do to mitigate a situation in the little bit of mountaineering and climbing that I've done, at the end of the day, you can do everything correctly, and then an avalanche can kill you. Most people that try to climb K2, the reason they'll try it once and never try it again is because either they died. All the women that tried to climb K2 for over a decade and a half, they all died. There's only hundreds of people. I think last time I checked, it was 362 people that have even successfully climbed K2. Because when you get up there, you can do everything right and you can still die. In fact, usually in a climbing season, a third of the people that try die. Yes, Ed Veasters, who wrote the book The Mountain, and, and of course he's from here, and he's climbed them all without oxygen, and he's worked a lot on Mount Everest. If you say, is there, is there a mountain out there you wouldn't climb again? He will tell you K2. 
because you can do everything on that mountain and you still die. And then I remember talking to him about Everest. And if you read his, his book, The Mountain, it's about climbing that mountain, taking people up there, how it's turned into a highway. And, and, and he gives a description. He's one of the kindest, nicest men that I know. But just think about what would it be like? You're up there, you're climbing, there's an accident, which there was when he was up there. People have died, but you're up there with others. You're still heading toward the summit. And then there's a guy who's hanging upside down on a ladder, dead and frozen. Do you pull him off the letter, ladder and throw him to the side? Do you let some Sherpa come get him or do you step over him? I'll let you read the book, but there's a lot more of that going on up in Mount Everest right now because of the fact that you have millionaires and billionaires that have a lot of money. They haven't hauled that gear themselves. When you don't haul that gear yourselves and somebody else has set up the ladders and all the guide ropes and they've done it for you, you end up with people on the mountain that haven't paid the price to be on that mountain, right? A lot of people that think they're going to go do Everest, they will come here to the Pacific Northwest and they'll climb in the Cascades. That's when they'll go and do Mount Rainier. In fact, one of the kids that was on my team, he's he's been up to Mount Everest. But first, it was Rainier. First, it was Mount McKinley, which is now uh, 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 Denali, that they're calling Denali. And then... Uh, Mount Tahoma here, which we're calling Rainier, and then and then they'll they'll they'll, they'll try and say, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm going to try Everest, but but when you get up there, it's just all the books that I've read, all the dead bodies, all the garbage that has been left behind. This past week, I don't know if you saw the story of the Sherpa that went up there and and basically grabbed a climber physically tied him to his back. This guy was dying. He wrapped him in sleeping bags and he walked his hurt down the mountain. Uh, this isn't the first time that he's done this and saved a life. It's the 21st time that he's done this and saved a life. A lot of those Sherpas depend upon there being lots of climbers up there that they can charge lots of money to. And some people are saying, well, hey, in the Himalaya mountains, they should stop giving out so many climbing passes because this has gotten ridiculous and it's a dump zone. Now, for many people, they have to go up there. You're supposed to carry your own garbage down. But when you can't carry yourself down, sometimes you end up not bringing that garbage down. Ron, what say you? Because even though we've never climbed Everest, we have a love for mountaineers. We always loved having Ed Veasters on the show, reading his books, talking about things that are happening in the climbing community, especially with Mount Tahoma right here in our own backyard. Uh, what say you about what we've been seeing on Everest? Well, when you look at the photographs, it's appalling. Uh, it's, it used to be one of the most picturesque places on the planet uh, to see Mount Rainier and, or, or to see Mount Everest, I mean. And now it, it literally is a garbage dump. And I, I think, like to me, the amount of money that these people are paying to go on this expedition it should be their responsibility to bring every piece of garbage back down. Like the, the oxygen bottles, tents, food wrappers, human waste, like every it, humans, you, you human beings, yeah. you look at this landscape and it's like, what in the world? 
Like, I, I, I get it that there's an economy there, like you said, of some very poor people uh, that live around these villages that need that tourist money, and it's turned into this big uh, machine to get people up to the top. And you have a lot of climbers coming from Asia as well, that this is there. A lot of Chinese businessmen and Indian businessmen uh, and these expeditions sort of compete for their time on the on the ropes. Uh, I think it's appalling. Like, like if you if you can afford to do that style of trip that a lot of these people do, then you can afford to, to pay whatever it needs to be paid to clear all the garbage out of there. So, uh, it's sad to me because I think it it's it's been commoditized in a way that that I don't think the true spirit of mountaineering was ever commoditized. And the guys that we know and have talked to would never do that. If you can't hike your gear up there, do the climb and successfully bring everything back, including like the guys that we know, they'll bring back their own waste in a bag. Uh, and it's attached to their person and they'll hike it out. Like they, they don't even, you know, leave that on the mountain. What do you mean? Guys, you know, you're looking at one of those guys right here. That's what I'm saying. It's guys. I, carry I know my shit around. Yeah. I carry my shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's, what I think of the standard should be for me. You just got to be careful when it's lunchtime, you reach in there and you go, that's not pudding. That wow. is not chocolate pudding. Wow. We will see you on this. <laughs> really? Totally. Yeah. Wow. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, it's interesting, as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well, there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023, and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy? Well, now's a great time to buy, and that's because rates are going to drop, and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now, there's a huge stagnant hole in the market, and that's that 700k to 1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now either refied or bought in a two and a half to three and a half percent rate, and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a six, six and a half percent rate, and it just won't look as attractive. So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop and all those people who wanted to move, wanted to upsize, wanted to move for whatever reason, you know, people just like to move in life, but they don't move if there's this blocker and we're going to see that blocker come off. We're going to see the cap come off and we're going to see a, a bit of a frenzy here. All right. So this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate uh, once it drops with your new program. Yeah, we've got the rate and replace program. You can buy now and you can refi free of charge free of the lender fees um and we'll take care of those for you so great deal all right check him out online at mitch.loans it's not a dot com it's mitch.loans all right you guys uh before we get out of here real quick i have to say there's a couple words and i don't know why i'm uncomfortable with them i'm uncomfortable with the word rich i'm uncomfortable with the word well sometimes and i'm uncomfortable with the word poor and I see see a lot of TikTok videos that are flying around right now. And it's a lot. One, one of the guys I follow, and it's absolutely fascinating. It's a young man that studies, quote unquote, rich people, whatever they are. And then he goes up to them with a stealth microphone. And I think he has to get permission first. And he just asks the question, hey, how did you get rich? Or what makes you wealthy? And then they'll share their secret. And the secret is there is no secret. 
The secret is if, if they're self-made and they didn't receive that money or that wealth from someone else, they got up every damn day for a very, very, very long time and made a commitment to something. So there's no one that he's talked to that said, yeah, you know what? I, I bought a couple lottery tickets and now I'm a billionaire and I'm so happy. Because we also know people that are given money that didn't earn that money. A lot of times it wrecks their life. There's a great book about uh, lottery winners out there and about how it can destroy families. What, what makes it? When a- those families aren't, aren't, aren't used to that wealth. So, so my question is this, because I, there, there's this new movement about stealth wealth mm. and how we're supposed to let other people know that we're wealthy without letting them know that we're wealthy. And one of those is to take your iPhone case off your camera and walk around with an iPhone that doesn't have a case on it. If I did that to show my stealth wealth, even if I am wealthy, I have to say, I think Apple must have planted this story because I would be either getting my my phone fixed, it would be dropped, cracked, and broken every other day, and then I don't know if it's stealth wealth to have like broken cameras or pieces of furnace tape on it, but where you smacked it up against the wall. Mine usually, for some reason, when I open the car door, it does a cartwheel thing where it goes kind of end to end. I do a lot of cartwheeling of the phone. And I have to say, I dropped her in a toilet a few times, but I've come out. I haven't had to put it in rice because of the case that's on it. The case that I have on it is actually waterproof. It saved me a few times when I've had to go diving in that toilet. What about you and Stealth Wealth? Because I noticed it seems like I still have my iPhone case on, and I think you do as well, Ron. Yeah, that this is the trend of saying that the conspicuous wealth uh, things are out right now. Like you don't want to have like real wealthy people are not driving up in a Lamborghini anymore. Like you want to be in an eco car. You know, you're going to be in a in a Tesla or something that's showing that oh, I'm environmentally friendly. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, being ostentatious with that or sometimes with clothing. So this is the new status symbol of saying, I'm so rich, I don't care if my $1,200 iPhone gets broken. Um, I still carry the the iPhone case for sure. I was curious though, um, how do you, so we've met lots of different strata of people. And so in your mind, is there, is wealth... A number in the bank account is wealth. A number in the bank account plus a lifestyle is it? A number in the bank account, your health score, and opportunity. Like how I think about wealth very differently now than I did, you know, growing up, kind of a middle class kid in New Mexico. Wealth to me then was like, if I could go in, if I could never have to worry about filling up my gas tank. If I could get, you know, basically buy anything that I wanted to buy at the Being record store. Being able to actually fill up a gas tank would be very. That to me was wealthy. And, like, not, and not putting a dollar in change in your, in your, in your right. Ford with three on the tree. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. So like if I could go to the mall and buy the thing that I wanted to buy and not have to check my bank account. What was the thing? Commit like, to it. It could have been like a new pair of Vans. It could oh. have been a, a, a pair of Levi's that was at the the department store instead of the discount store. So like those are sort of things where what I thought- What about a Blacklight poster? I wasn't into the Blacklight posters. Oh, okay. But like I to was. me, that was wealth. Um 
or that was, yeah, that's what I thought wealthy was when I was growing so up. So what do you think now? And well? so what I think now. Because you asked a bunch of questions and you acted like you wanted me to answer. And then you acted like my, you were going to be interested me. in my answers. And then you, you're, you've decided to answer your own what question. What is so I'm gonna go ahead. to you? No, no. Because no, I, I might this have is to, a move that you do I to might, me. That's, you're so doing well, I'm move. doing the move back to you. I might have to copy your answer. So what is, uh, Maybe I'm trying to buy time right now. Go ahead. What, what is, is wealth to you now? What is wealth to you now? What is wealth to you what now? What is wealth to you now? Wealth to me now is like having some money in the bank, but then the ability to do the things you want to do and then be healthy enough to do those things. Like that to me is real wealth. Yeah. I think, I think, I think wealth is freedom and I am at a point in my life where I, I can cash in and be done. Like I don't need to work anymore. I, I can, I, I can cash in and be done. I've never been able to say that. I couldn't certainly couldn't say that when I was at Cairo radio. I couldn't say that when we were moving from radio station to radio station with all the consolidation that was going on. And then a lot of times we would move somewhere, but we wouldn't be on the air for nine months and you would burn through the money that you made at the other radio station. And so, so, so real estate for me has been the key to creating that kind of wealth. Wealth for me is knowing that on Sunday, I don't have to get up and have to go show a house to someone. I can go coach a football game, but I want to show a house to someone. And the people that I want to show the house to, we're going to look at 10 houses and we're just going to go on Saturday instead of Sunday. But I get to do that. I want to do that. I don't have to go on that appointment. I don't, I, I don't need that client or need that job. So I really see that is, is, is health and wealth. Every time I go to the gym, every time I check my vital signs, I check my blood pressure every day. Uh, I check my weight every, like, like I, I just, because of my sister died so young and I saw what happens when you don't have your health. And she died when she was 43, but she suffered for six years from ALS. That had a profound impact. My dad being being dead, profound impact. Dementia in my family, profound impact. Uh, mental illness in my family, bipolarity, all that stuff in my immediate family. Just I look at that and it makes me say to myself, my sister has Crohn's and colitis disease. It's like something is coming for me too at some point. We we have some very dear friends right now that are fighting cancer, and some of them have been fighting cancer for six and seven years. Like 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 we know it's coming, and so to have that not come today, and to know that I have my health, and that I I I have enough wealth where I can give my son a good push into the world. I don't think he needs to inherit a lot, but at the same time. When he gets out of college, if he goes to college, I don't want him taking on a lot of debt and then trying to get going in his life. I, I have friends right now, our, our friends Becky and Charles, and they they and Charles has been on our show talking about recycling before. I saw a picture of them the other day with their kids, and they're sending the final one off to college. They're two of the finest people and finest parents that I know. Like I in in in, in our kids at one point, uh their kids were exiting elementary school when my son was going in. So I, I, I remember meeting them for the first time at school and then looking at the way that they've parent and just went, wow, those two are such a great team. They have given their kids such a good push in the world. If, if I could just get there where, where they are giving their kids a good push in the world. Cause you know, now you know who their kids are, you know, who they're going to be like, and, the, and they are phenomenal humans. 
I just want to get there. And if I, I can get there with my son, and if I happen to live some more time after that, I would be, I would be very ecstatic. But that to me is health and wealth. I have friends, man, that that have more money than they know what to do with. But what they know to do is how to create more wealth, and it's fun for them. And they show other people how to do it because they see that it can be life-changing. And at the same time, they wear old shoes, they drive old cars sometimes. And I I like to be around those kind of wealthy people that have built it themselves. And then, and then the silliness of having an iPhone case or an iPhone case on or off to show your wealth. That, those are people that aren't wealthy. Those are people that are idiots and they're stupid. We will see you on the other side of this. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. Let's go get a wrap. I'm hungry. <laughs> hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, uh, just reach out. How they do? Yeah, Ron at ronanddon.com. If you're like, hey, I want to know how to build wealth, we will do a sit down with you and see if uh, what the best strategy is for you. So contact me directly, Ron at ronanddon.com, or go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. Let's get you on that journey uh, and on that path. And it, that makes me really excited when people when people do that. Also, you guys don't forget if you need a loan, Mitch.loans, he can help you right now. And there is something. We're doing right now with a client called a point what? Uh, you can do a buy down on your loan, an interest rate buy down, where you prepay some of that interest. It saves you a lot of money over the life of the loan. Uh, Mitch also has a program right now. If you buy today and interest rates do drop in the next year, you can refinance, capture that new interest rate, and not pay any of the fees to Mitch. Yeah. Sellers, 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 you got to do all the work. But if you spend a dollar, get two back. So don't be pushed around by realtors that are making you do too much work because you won't get all that money back. But your 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 listing now to get max dollars has to be very pristine, and you can do that because as we shared uh, in our last four listings, three of those we've gone over and significantly over some of those by hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you need us, just reach out. It all starts with a sit down. Bonnedonsitdown.com. Get signed up for the newsletter today. And don't forget tomorrow, a real estate only show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network. Only.